Welcome to Kingdom Perspectives. My name is Stacey Hillier. It's my privilege to host you for today's podcast. Kingdom Perspectives is all about getting God's perspective on life, culture and ministry. In a world of increasing noise and deception, we need to cut through the confusion and complexity of the times we live in and get God's perspective on our lives. I encourage you today to click on the subscribe button so that you can automatically receive this podcast on a weekly basis. Also, make sure you give us a review and share this with your friends on social media, and that would be a great blessing to us. My privilege and honour today to introduce once again my friend and my senior leader, Pastor Corey Turner. Well, hello, Stacey. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm chipper. Chipper? Do you, do you like that word, chipper? I do like that yeah. word. It's it's up and about. I'm up and about You're and excited. And, about. <laughs> and yeah, we 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 are heading towards Christmas. It's mm-hmm. all action stations at the moment, and right. uh, we're moving forward, looking forward to 2021. We are looking forward to 2021. Yes, I mean 2020. We've learned a lot, but we let's be honest. We are really looking forward to 2021. <laughs> yep. In a big way. Have you got anything planned for your summer? Well, I definitely wanted to take a couple of weeks off by the beach. Oh, yeah. We love the water. We There's love the, the beach. Yep. There I just it felt is. it right there. Ooh. And, um, and hopefully, uh, coming to Christmas, we can all get the family together, have a great time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm actually really looking forward to beyond holidays is starting the new year at Numa Church and just getting everyone definitely. back, live gatherings. Hanging out together, fellowshipping, it's going to be great. I mean, it's an honour and a privilege, right, to come and record our services each week. Yeah. But in a way, it's very sad because the it thing is. that we all love, the people, which is yep. the church, is not here. So it's a little bit weird, isn't it? Absolutely. We're, we didn't sign up to this thing because we want to perform or just uh, present a talent or an ability. We're doing it because we want to serve and minister to people. And that's at the end of the day what it's about. Yeah, we miss our church, don't we? Absolutely. Now, I heard you tell a cracker dad joke recently that was to do with the COVID season. I feel like it didn't get the airtime it deserved. Okay. Would you like to have another crack? You might need to remind me the road what that to, was. The road to... It's significant in the Bible, rhymes with Ramascus. Oh, yes. Yes, there yes. it is. <laughs> yes. Oh, look... Um, Every one of us have our own points of, of frustration, fatigue with different things. <laughs> but just as the Apostle Paul was on that road to Damascus, I really believe that every single one of us who've been masked up, particularly in the state of uh-huh. Victoria, need to encounter the, the, the freedom of the Lord Jesus Amen. on the road to Ooh, demask us. Yeah, it is. Demask <laughs> us. Very powerful. You missed it first, first time, second time. Demask us. Rhymes with Ramascus. <laughs> <laughs> and did you know that there is a new phenomenon worldwide? Tell us. Going to create a whole new industry. What? Mask knee. <laughs> so what it is, is you actually can flare up with a little bit of a rash, maybe a pimple or two around where you have to wear your mask. And this is real for people who are working in retail wow. industries. They have to wear their mask all the time. So once again, demask. De- us. Demask us. Hashtag yes. demask us. Yeah. How do Let's you start spell a movement. That? Um, I reckon it would be D E M A S K 
US. <laughs> so it's not biblical at all. No. Okay, I see what you did there. Maybe we should move on to something that's going to help the people. Yeah, let's Although, try and help people today. I feel helped by yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so today we want to talk about building a supernatural church. Very exciting. Which is totally my jam. So Come let's on. get right on with it. Talk to us about your own journey in experiencing the supernatural. I am so passionate about the Holy Spirit and to do with all things supernatural. Christianity is um, all about experiencing the presence of God as much as it is about following who Jesus is through the truth in his word. And so for me, I had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was six years old. Uh, My parents were leading a church in uh, regional Western Australia. In fact, even though I'm Melbourne born and bred, uh, they were in the Wild West for three years leading a church. And I still remember on the Sunday night going down to the altar at the end of my dad's message and a man of God laid hands upon my head. He prayed for me and I got filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. And when you're six, it's either real or it's real. (laughs) You have no uh, idea of how to fake this. It's just a genuine experience. I felt the power of God um, in my body. I felt the presence of God with me from that day. And as I grew in my intimacy with God from that day, my awareness of God's presence in my life, the promptings of the Spirit of God in my life, I also observed the church environment around me. And the movement that I grew up in was birthed in revival, in fact, in the late 1800s. Prayer meetings, the history books tells us, uh, were filling concert halls and bodies were carried out on stretches. Mm -hmm. Such was the power of God to make room for more believers to come into the prayer meetings. Churches were planted in 130 countries and millions of disciples were made. But what started in revival unfortunately ended in survival as they went over a 50-year period of time in replacing the essence of what the movement was birthed in, the genuine and the real and the true power of the Holy Spirit to a form Mm -hmm. of godliness but Mm -hmm. denying the power of it. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden... Uh, Prayer meetings were replaced by almost like congresses or conventions where more of the flesh of humanity was seen rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, Evangelism was replaced with social justice. Social justice is an expression of evangelism, evangelism, is so essential to evangelism, but Often we get this idea that if we just do a whole bunch of stuff, but we never declare the truth of the gospel, that we're doing evangelism. But evangelism is both. Mm-hmm. Worship in its purity was replaced with concerts where people's talents and abilities were on display and the power of God was replaced with this performance orientation. And I've observed this shift in church life Um, in lots of different expressions and forums and it breaks my heart because Mm -hmm. in Acts chapter 2 we see that the church was birthed Mm -hmm. in the power of the Holy Spirit and I just have such a passion as I know you do Mm -hmm. to see not only our church, Numa Church but the body of Christ continue to grow in all things supernatural. You've touched on something so interesting here and I can't wait to hear you expand a little bit on some of the dynamics involved in the life cycle of a church or a movement. Yep. So every movement and every church over an extended period of time tends to go through four stages of development. 
Um, and this would be common for a lot of different organizations. The first stage is what we call emergence. It's where the movement or church is in a pioneering phase. Uh, culture is being developed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, leadership and the guiding principles that guide the expression of that leadership is starting <coughs> excuse me, to be developed. There's a whole lot of factors in this first stage that are emerging and are becoming more visible. The second stage of a movement is what we call coalescence. It's where what was emerging is now developing and forming a more solid foundation and strategies start to get formed that reinforce and develop the pioneering DNA and principles that were developed or emerged in that first stage. The third stage or the life cycle of a movement is what we call institutionalization. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's where um, that which was emerging and pioneering is developed Um, and formulated into what we call a bureaucratic process. And in institutionalization, where a movement was in a forming stage, now there is a norming process. But unfortunately, what can happen in this phase is that bureaucracy, complexity, and the the letter of the law can replace the dynamic and organic nature of the spirit. And then the final stage is uh, not a very exciting stage. It's decline, which ultimately leads to death. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of movements in history, Christian movements, organizations in the marketplace, will go through these stages. And unless particularly at the third stage of institutionalization, there isn't a fresh envisioning, there isn't a fresh wind of the spirit, unless there is a dynamic paradigm shift, Mm -hmm. all movements and churches will eventually begin to decline and if not arrested will actually lead to death and one of the most amazing things about the church that we lead and we're, we're a part mm-hmm. of Numa Church nearly a hundred years old yeah. is that clearly there's been leadership in different seasons that have identified mm-hmm. the season mm-hmm. that, that where they are in the life cycle in the spirit and said we need to shift right. we need to do something and so I think for any leaders for any pastors out there or people on staff at a church, or even people who are believers, but they're in the marketplace. We need to be like the sons of Issachar, discerning and interpreting not just the times that we live in as as a, a planet, but we need to discern the season we're in as a church and ministry and organization so that we can apply the right action to the right season. That's brilliant. So we've heard about your experience with the supernatural from even the age of six years old, really probably in a church movement where there wasn't a lot of examples of that even around you. Then we've talked about the four stages of a movement or of a church. Let's tie this together. Where does shaping a supernatural culture in church life begin? It begins with your theology. Theology is the way you think and talk about God. And so I'm about to say a phrase right now Mm -hmm. that for some people, some of the terminology will be unfamiliar, but be patient with me. I'll explain it. And this phrase or idea is your pneumatology will shape your ecclesiology. They're two words, pneumatology and ecclesiology, you may not have heard before. What do they mean? Pneumatology is um, the study of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so in other words, it's the way we think and talk and approach the person of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Ecclesiology is a study 
of the structure or expression of the local church. Mm-hmm. Ecclesia actually is the Greek word for church. It's mm-hmm. where we get this idea of being called out of the world to come and be separated from the spirit of the world to be God's people. So when I say your pneumatology will shape your ecclesiology, what I'm saying is your understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit, your experience of the Holy Spirit, the way you think and talk and approach the person of the Holy Spirit will shape how you do church life. Mm -hmm. So if our ideas about who the Holy Spirit is, is limited, restricted, or doesn't have a healthy foundation in the Word of God or a healthy expression in our own personal lives, when it comes to the corporate expression of the supernatural, there will be limitations. Mm -hmm. There will be restrictions. There will be blind spots. And this is where a healthy teaching across the New Testament, not just the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. but across the New Testament of what does Jesus teach about the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. in Luke 16? What does um, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, particularly Acts chapter 2 onwards, talk about the Holy Spirit? What does Paul, the Apostle, say about the person of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 12, spiritual Mm -hmm. gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, love being the motivator for gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, tongues and prophecy. All of these things things get shape our theology and thereby shape our experience and thereby shape our application in the local church. And so I would encourage every believer, you may be saying, listening to this and going, well, I'm not a church leader and I don't lead a ministry team in a church. What relevance is this to me? Absolute relevance because your own experience of God, particularly in the supernatural, as well as your experience of the supernatural in church life is going to be directly influenced in your own theology, your own understanding, and your own experience of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want to press into that for a moment. Can I ask, are you saying here that our pneumatology leads our ecclesiology? Yes, I am. Okay, so can is there the potential for that to get the wrong way around in those stages you talked about earlier, and can that be one of the reasons people end up or a movement ends up in stage four? Yes, I uh, uh, um, would say that if you uh, separate or divorce your approach to church or your understanding of church life from Pentecost, yep. from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because mm-hmm. keep in mind the church was birthed in the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Right. And, and Pentecost was a harvest feast that was a celebration of the coming harvest. Wherever the Holy Spirit is poured out, there are signs and wonders, there is activity, there is a harvest of souls, there is a dynamic movement in church life. And so if we're approaching church leadership, we're approaching church life, separated from and divorced from the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, we're actually, when eight cylinders of power is available to us, we're operating on two cylinders Mm -hmm. or three cylinders Mm -hmm. or four cylinders. I think we can get a very distorted view of what church life is supposed to look like when it isn't through the filter of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit came to do on the day of Pentecost. Right. So in stage three, where you were talking about like institutionalization, et cetera, et cetera, where we don't necessarily have room for the things of the Spirit anymore because we need things to fit in neat little boxes, this can lead to stage four if our ecclesiology gets elevated above our pneumatology. Absolutely, because we start building around 
um, wooden concepts and man-made principles or maybe even good ideas from the marketplace, but they're not necessarily spirit-breathed or numa-inspired for how Jesus intended his church to be built. I love a Bono quote where he says, "Uh, religion is what you're left with when the spirit leaves the building. Come on. I know, he's preaching, right? (laughs) I use that quote all the time because I'm like, what even is the church without the Holy Spirit? That's right. Is it even the definition of a church anymore or is it just a club? Yep, (laughs) I agree with you. Um, So what are some of the patterns that help build a supernatural culture? I think uh, to ensure authenticity uh, of that culture, it must begin with the pattern of encounter. Mm -hmm. And by that, you cannot give away what you don't own. Mm-hmm. You can't give away what you haven't experienced. Peter said in Acts 3, 6, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, mm-hmm. I give to you. Leadership 101 is you can't take people somewhere you haven't been yourself. Yeah. I only have authority to bring breakthrough into your life where I've walked in victory myself. Yeah. And if I'm not living and approaching my life and leadership out of a genuine Holy Spirit encounter, if I can't po- point to my God story of what happened when I was six, what happened when I was 16, what happened in my um, late teens, early 20s to answer the, if I can't point to those things, then I'm living out of this vacuum of of of, of um, theoretical knowledge and not experiential application. So I think firstly, it's got to become uh, my own personal encounter. The second pattern that I would suggest to us is what I call intentionality. The supernatural must be pursued intentionally, not merely aspirationally. Mm -hmm. And I think when Jesus said to the disciples in Acts 1-4, that he said, don't you dare depart from Jerusalem until you've received the promise of the Father. Mm. Wait for the promise of the Father, for you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I think he was saying, you know what, disciples, you've got to get intentional. Mm -hmm. Whatever you uh, focus on whatever you go after is what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And so um, I remember talking to a pastor one time who um, was, you know, purely motivated, well intended, but he said, Oh, I would love to see more of the power of the Holy Spirit in our church, but it's not our culture. In other words, he was letting the default of the culture direct and shape the expression of the church. Mm-hmm. And um, there and, and so he had an aspirational value that he'd like to see the power of the Holy Spirit more move, but he didn't have an intentional core value. Yeah. And so when you make the supernatural signs and wonders, miracles are normal, supernaturals are normal everyday part of our lives, an intentional part of your culture. You teach about it. Mm -hmm. You share stories about it. Mm -hmm. You follow the promptings of the Spirit in your own life. When you're walking down the street or at a cafe, you um, reproduce that and disciple that in people's lives around you. It becomes a tangible, sustainable part of how you do life. I think another pattern that's really important is space. Mm -hmm. The pattern of space. You've got to create space Mm. in your life and particularly even in corporate gatherings for the spontaneity of the spirit. Mm. I love what 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says. It says, do not quench the spirit, despise not prophecy. 
I think we quench the Holy Spirit and we quench the gifts of the Spirit when we replace the spontaneity of the Spirit with the structure of man. Mm. And one of the ways that we um, remove the spontaneity of the Spirit is we eliminate space. One of the big things, and maybe we can talk about this together for a moment, that we're always thinking about is um, how do we, when it comes to the corporate worship expression of the Mm -hmm. church, not simply just um, go through the run sheet as being the ultimate goal, but creating enough space for people to encounter the presence of Jesus. Maybe just talk about that for a moment from your perspective, Stace. Yeah, I think one of the things that we work on and we actually practice as, for example, the worship team is to discern and perceive and know the Holy Spirit enough ourselves, even be practicing our own pneumatology personally, Mm. to understand the way the Spirit works in our lives before we ever seek to lead a church in that. So once you've experienced either, you know, the Holy Spirit comes like a rushing wind or He comes and He pours out love upon you or sometimes He causes you to want to get up and march and go into warfare mode, even as musicians, how do I reflect the Holy Spirit working like love? How do I play that? How do I sing the fact that He's calling an army to rise? This all comes in your personal life and then practicing your skill and loving excellence enough to be able to then lead the church in that and not being afraid of space. I think people often, um, the space can leave us feeling vulnerable and it can leave us feeling a bit like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. That's my favorite moment when I don't know what's going to happen. And our team has a saying, embrace the awkward. Don't be awkward. Really good. There's no point in being awkward. Make people feel safe or they won't come with you. So there's a trust that is built the longer you lead a church, the more you steward them with musical and spiritual excellence. But they'll come and embrace the awkward with you knowing that once the Holy Spirit says, we're going here and we go there, there's nothing like it. But that does involve waiting sometimes. Absolutely. And you're not going to create that space if you have a fundamental mindset that says, thus says the run sheet. Many leaders I've observed uh, operate as if the run sheet is the Lord of the service. The dictator, the ultimate goal is to get through the run sheet. No, and we have a saying here at Numa, it's not thus says the run sheet, it's thus says the Lord. The goal of a corporate gathering is not to get through the run sheet. It's to have an encounter. And so uh, space is a part of that. I'll share one more pattern, and that is risk. You've got to be willing to risk it for the biscuit. You've got to <laughs> embrace all of the gifts of the Spirit, not just the safe ones. Yep. Uh, sometimes in church life, we're really happy with certain expressing or embracing certain gifts because they're safe. Some of those safe gifts, are, you know, leadership. Mm. No one in their right mind would deny leadership is an important gift in the church. And so we make room for that. Word of wisdom sharing a, a, a word of instruction or counsel or another gift, teaching. But when it comes to the unsafe gifts like <laughs> tongues or prophecy or words of knowledge or discerning of spirits, which often leads to deliverance ministry or the gift of faith, which can be really scary, <laughs> we claim ignorance yeah. and we don't want to go there because it makes us feel awkward. Yep. 
Whereas Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12.1, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. Fear of gifts and abuse of the gifts stems from ignorance of the gifts. And so where we're ignorant of something, we tend to abuse it. Mm. Now, Stacey, I've been known to every now and then abuse my MacBook because I'm quite ignorant of how it all works. And so the same thing can happen with prophecy, with tongues, with word of knowledge, discerning of spirit, because there isn't a healthy teaching or healthy expression of that in church life. Often those things, we're either afraid of it or or there isn't a mature expression of it, and therefore people stay away from it. Can I encourage every leader, every believer that's listening to this podcast to become more informed about all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to build a healthy culture where people can practice and move in those gifts. And even if they don't do it perfectly, they can learn from it, they can grow through it, and they can actually be a part of of what it means to have a healthy and mature supernatural expression in church life. The Apostle Paul is an absolute boss at writing about spiritual gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, which you've preached and taught so well, where he talks about the body and why we're given the, the spiritual gifts. Then he sandwiches it with the love chapter. And then he says, pursue love and prophecy and tongues. Yep. When you look at that in its full context and don't pull out one chapter at a time or the bits you're comfortable with or uncomfortable with, you actually soon realize that it's unloving to not want to operate in the spiritual gifts yes. because the very reason they're given is to build and to love and to serve other people. Exactly. So if we're afraid of them and we don't want to operate in them, we can't love one another fully and we can't serve one another fully. Absolutely. First Corinthians 12 says the manifestation of the spirit is given not for the individual. Yeah. It's given for the common good. Right. In other words, what manifests in me must empower, exhort, and build up others around me. The whole purpose of the gifts is not because we earned it, because they're charisma, they're freely given, which is what that Greek word means. They are given for the expressed intent to build up and benefit others. And I think as we bring all of these principles through the filter and practice of prayer, we see a supernatural shift in church life, Mm. which we're seeing here at Numa. I know many churches around the world have seen. But if you're listening to this and you're so hungry for uh, a greater expression of the supernatural in your own church or your own life group or small group or, or career and ministry, it begins by applying some of these patterns in your own personal life. It's brilliant. We play this little game in my team where we talk, we say, speak to the possibility for a moment. Just speak to the possibility. Wonderful. So based upon your pneumatology, your love for the church, etc., can you speak to the possibility for a moment of what the church could look like in 2020 and beyond? Absolutely. I think um, I can see a... When we gather together, there is such a joy, generosity, and outpouring of um, worship to Jesus and hunger for the Word that reflects a genuine um, faith and ownership of people's personal relationship with God that the that not only are our services and our gatherings so... Um, dynamic and charged with the supernatural signs and wonders breaking out in our gatherings but out of the overflow of that 
the church continues to walk in the power of the supernatural, just like Peter and John walking past the gate beautiful in Acts 3. Acts 2 has happened. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. But out of the overflow of that, Acts 3, I'm believing that an Acts 2 church will ha- will walk in the overflow of that supernatural power in, in an Acts 3 encounter on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and that together we will begin to see a harvest of souls, a revival and transformation across the seven mountains of influence in our culture, where we begin to see the education sector transform, the government sector, the arts and entertainment, media, the family dynamic, the business and marketplace sector transformed by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and the principles of the kingdom of God, because the people of God are carrying revival in their own heart because of their own intimacy with God and the um, collective gathering of that amongst God's people as we meet together becomes the catalyst that fuels revival in our everyday lives. Come on, my friend. You are podcasting yourself happy. (laughs) And if you are listening today, I hope that you can sense that something just shifted where you are lifting because our pastor just spoke out of the overflow of his prayer life and his heart and his download from God. And so while you are anointed and on fire at a whole other level right now. Talk to people who are listening right now and who are afraid of the Holy Spirit and afraid of losing control. Well, I want to um, actually pray for people. I I feel to pray for people in a moment because um, some of us have come to accept ways of thinking and in fact, um, with an unrenewed mind, lies that have restricted and limited us. And for people who are afraid of the Holy Spirit or afraid of what full surrender Mm -hmm. to the Lordship of Jesus looks like, because a Spirit-filled life looks like a surrendered life. Um, The Bible says, present your body as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So transformation begins with sacrifice, surrender. But it also is developed and quickened by renewal. Is, Is firstly... Find someone in your world, in your church, that has a freedom in the things of the Spirit and ask them to disciple you in that. Love it. It has to begin with discipleship. Then it must begin with a transformation of our thinking. Search every single passage up in the New Testament, let alone the Old Testament, but begin with the New Testament on the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And read and read and read and have your mind renewed by it. Thirdly, find other godly Um, solid biblical teachers in book form podcasts and listen to their messages, read their books on the Holy Spirit and educate yourself. Mm -hmm. And then finally, step out in obedience. There comes a point where your learning and your knowledge must translate to action. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't say greater knowledge than this will you know. He said greater works than these will you do. You don't need to go to water walking university, Peter, (laughs) to step out of the boat and walk on water. Mm. What you do need to do is have a revelation of who Jesus is and obey what he asks you to do. And as you step out in faith, you'll begin to see the power of the Holy Spirit manifest in your life. And then one of the things that happens as we pray for people is there's an impartation of the Spirit. And I want to pray an impartation prayer right now for people who've not been baptized in the Spirit or people who have not seen the activation of the gift. So, Stace, why don't we just pray together and just lift up these amazing people that are listening online. Mm -hmm. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. This is a holy moment, Lord, for people that are listening 
to this podcast. And Father, I thank you that you're stirring up, oh God, a hunger and an appetite for the Holy Spirit, for the supernatural to become not an exception, but a normal everyday part of our lives. And I'm praying right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that there would be an activation in their spirit, that Father, that every single believer that has not been baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit would right now in their car, Lord, while they're working out, Lord, while they're going for a run or listening in their house, they would be filled in Jesus' name with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that Lord, they would repent of any sin that would separate them from the fullness of who you are, and that Lord, by faith, they would receive the empowerment of the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and it would be confirmed with speaking in tongues and signs and wonders and prophecy and miracles would begin to break out in their life. I'm praying, oh God, that Lord, there would be an activation of the gifts of the Spirit, that you would help them to identify and discern before they even read a book or do a survey or do something that would, in their knowledge, equip them, that Lord, their spirit would be awakened and would be aware that the anointing abides within them and the spirit that's within them testifies that they are children of God, that they have gifts of the Holy Spirit and they can use those Mm -hmm. gifts immediately in their life. I'm praying right now, Holy Spirit, that you'd place callings, purposes and destinies upon people's hearts. Lord, fivefold callings. Lord, marketplace callings. Lord, callings to media music and entertainment. Lord, callings to be mums and dads and sons and daughters in the faith. Callings to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, planting churches, extending your kingdom. I'm praying, Father, for a harvest of souls to become the testimonies of our mouths, that, Father, we would see the power of the Holy Spirit, not just be real and tangible for us, but to be the overflow into other people's lives where we give a reason for the hope that we have and many, many people come to know you as Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, would you come so close to us as we draw near to you? We thank you, God, that you heard our prayer, that Lord, right now, things are shifting in the supernatural and we're never going to be the same. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. And people getting slain on trams everywhere, crashing their bikes, pulling off the side of the road. Come on. Boom, boom. Look out. There you go. (laughs) Pastor Corey, thank you so much for sharing today on something that you actually live out. And we absolutely love it when people subscribe to this podcast so that they can automatically receive it every week. And this week, I'm throwing one out there. I'm throwing a hashtag out there. They should share this on all their social channels. Come on. Screenshot it, share this podcast, and you can hashtag it, risk it for the Supernatural Biscuit. Oh, there it is right I love there. It. There it is. Yep. See, that's what that prayer did to me and imparted that to me. <laughs> so we hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and we invite you to join us again next week for another edition of Kingdom Perspectives as we get God's perspective on life, culture and ministry. If you'd like to hear more from Pastor Corey Turner, you can check out his two books, one on the supernatural life at numa.church. Remember, in all that you do, seek first the kingdom of God.